cliffcentral.com. I want to talk about something new that we're doing here. During lockdown, we have not been resting on our laurels. We've not been sitting on our hands. Uh, cliffcentral.com, as I said to you during the course of lockdown, we've uh, been thinking very hard about what we need to do. And with all of these new startups in this time and SMEs that are battling for survival, I think we need probably to put our heads together and come up with great ways of doing marketing, advertising, content. And to help us do this, we've actually partnered with uh, Tim Kelly. He's got his own business called Synergist Marketing, and we've decided to put together something called Cliff Central Creative. And I thought it would probably be a good idea to have Tim on the show this morning to explain how exactly that's going to work, because there may be many of us who've started businesses or we had businesses just before lockdown that are having to look at things differently now. And I thought it would be a good idea to have Tim on so he could explain things to you. He's, he's got his own interesting history, which we may get into by the end of the interview. But I want to talk a little bit about Cliff Central Creative, which is something brand new that we're expanding into. And I think something which could be very helpful to a number of businesses in the country. So, Tim, how are you? Morning, Gareth. Very well, thanks. Good stuff. Let's just get into some of the, the nitty-gritty here. There are a lot of businesses that are battling for survival at the moment, as I mentioned a moment ago. And a lot of them are making terrible mistakes because they think, well, we can handle this. We don't need an ad agency. And, and ad agencies have been their own worst enemy in some ways. Uh, sure. your, your background is that you, you were for a long time the MD of uh, TBWA in Cape Town. Sure. And you've been running your own business since then. And you've done some really cool stuff, which we'll get into later. But a lot of these businesses don't know how to market themselves anymore. And, and they're making some terrible mistakes. And they, they, they're falling for some some really bad ideas just because they sound cheap and effective and are the first and not the last. Mm. No, that's right, Gareth. It's a, yeah, it, it, the news coming out of all the new business starting on the one side is very exciting. But then for a marketer like me, it also terrifies me slightly because, as you said, people sort of sort of launch themselves into this without necessarily the right, the right background. And marketing is an absolutely crucial component of, of making the business a success. You know, I think the data says about 80% of businesses fail in the first two years. Right. And what's been interesting over the years to see is that although all businesses are unique in their own way, you can distill those reasons that they fell into kind of, you know, four or five main reasons that you just see repeating themselves over and over again. So what are those big mistakes that you're seeing and, and how do you think we can help close the gap? Okay. Um, I mean, look, let's start with, with, with people that decide to launch a business and they, they sit down and they decide over the dining room table, what they're going to do, what service, what product they're going to take to market. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. And, Often they get, uh, you know, the bright lights of fads. So whether it be fidget spinners or in today's world, good old face masks. I mean, how many face masks, how many <laughs> friends have you had sending you WhatsApp pictures of face masks saying, we're now selling face masks? And that would be the first thing is to kind of avoid the fads. Look for something that has long-term potential growth. Right. There's a fantastic tool out there called trends.google.com. And you can look on there for any search term all the way back to when Google started in 2004. And you can see how many people are searching it. You want to get on there and you want to search for something that has had either a very consistent number amount of search or has got even better, you know, growth and is looking like it's on an upward trend. I, I, last night I jumped on and looked up face masks just because I find it, you know, funny. And 
It peaked on the 29th of March with some exponential number of searches. And since then, it's been very much an upside down V. So it shot up and it right. shot back. People have got their face masks or they're just over the whole thing or, or whatever it might be. Don't go into face masks. Find something with a bit you know, more longer term growth. Still in that, in that zone of choosing the right product. Um, it's choose something you're passionate about. It's a lot easier, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand this. It's a lot easier and a lot more fun to do a business that you are passionate about yourself. Yeah. And if you're passionate about it, chances are other people are passionate about it, and therefore they'll spend some of their hard-earned income on it. So that's the, that's the first thing, is rather than necessarily look at it from a business point of view, do something you're passionate about. Um, and then there's a case of getting the balance right between a niche product or service and a mass product or service. So they, when you go into, into these sort of things, the number of competitors and the number of potential customers are directly correlated. So if you go into a very niche product or service, there's very few competitors, which is a great thing, but there's also a lot fewer potential customers. And whereas if you want to go into something mass, you want to produce a new range of baked beans, everyone needs baked beans. You've got 45 million people who might buy you baked beans. But in reality, there's some pretty serious uh, competitors in that land. So it's trying to find the right balance there between those two things. Um, and then sort of lastly, just in, in, in this topic and in terms of choosing what you're going to do in your business mm. is this might sound sort of a little bit sort of controversial, but be wary of the big ideas that aim to change human behavior. So we've seen some incredible Things like that in recent times. Airbnb changed how we book accommodation. Right. Uber changed how we book taxis. Mr. Delivery and so forth. These are amazing. You know, PayPal, how we pay money. They are incredible pieces of technology that changed human behavior and made their founders billionaires. Right. And we all have that dream. And right. I think it's great if we all nurture that dream in the background. But if you're objective, particularly in this time, is to start a business that will earn you income in a relatively short space of time, then rather find something that is a, you know, a proof of concept out there that someone's doing and they're earning money from and do it better than they are. That would be a good start. And have your big ambitious idea sort of running in the background because that's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of probably other people's investment to make that to come to fruition. So they would be kind of my guidelines in terms of deciding what to do in terms of new business. All right. Well, if the, you know, what I want to talk about is also this idea of DIY marketing, because now everybody seems to have accepted the fact that the world of marketing has changed. The world of advertising has changed. We had a really interesting webinar not so long ago with Reg Descaris and with Timothy Maurice. And we spoke about this, how content is taking over and people are using technology more, but some people use it better than others. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I've always said the worst thing about marketing, and Umbulelo will, will appreciate this this um, analogy, is I, I say it suffers from a sports coach syndrome. What that is, is the sports lovers amongst us sit on the couch and we watch an awful lot of sports. And we spend a lot of time yelling at the TV, telling the coach who to pick, what tactics to play, what substitutions to make, mm -hmm. because kind of we know better, you know? And then the Twitter comes out with the starting 15 or the starting 11. You're like, oh, why is he in? And, you know, you're absolutely convinced. And I do. I go to bed at night thinking, you know what? If Arteta hadn't got that job, I would have done a fantastic job at Arsenal. There's no doubt. I know football <laughs> because I watch a lot of football. Um, 
But the reality is if you were thrust into that position and you had to start working on the intricacies of set-piece plays and nutrition and fitness and sports psychology, I think we would all be left wanting. And that's why there are certain guys in those positions. Yeah. Now, the reason I draw that analogy is because the average person sees about a 1,000 marketing messages a day, believe it or not, from logos on your toothpaste to billboards to TV ads to whatever it might be. Now, you know, when you see that many, you you start to build the perception that you know what's going on. You know how marketing works. I see it all every day. Yeah. And you appreciate this, is that I'm sure a lot of people listen to this and think, well, it's Gareth and his iPhone. Yeah. You know, that's it. He's recording his iPhone and jobs are good. But actually... In podcasting, there's, there's sound equipment, there's producers, there's a whole team of people and hosts behind it that make it the quality that you produce. <clears throat> Pardon me. In video and photography, you know, there's lighting, sound, producers, hair, makeup. Just in creating ads, you had Registaris on recently, my former boss, and uh, he talked about creating ads that are sincere and funny. Right. You know, equally great design, layouts, the ability to say a lot in a short number of words. Very, very smart people have dedicated their lives to trying to perfect this art of producing fantastic content mm-hmm. to kind of bumble across it from one day in your admin job to now deciding you're a marketer. I, I find a little naive. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we can have a whole nother podcast on, on building your own websites and the mistakes that get made there. So, yeah, that's concerned with DIY marketing and you know, it's still prevalent. We see it everywhere. The long and the short is, you know, save yourself time, save yourself the money and hire an expert to produce the stuff because there is so much noise out there now that to produce something that actually cuts through all of that and actually resonates with someone and actually makes them get off their bum and go to a store or click online or spend the hard-earned cash is incredibly difficult to do. And even us professional marketers are finding it incredibly difficult to do. Well, everybody's fighting extra hard for that share of ear or share of eye or or whatever it might be, right? So, okay, what what are we going to do differently with Cliff Central Creative? Because this is where I, I wanted everybody who's who listening listens to us because they're obviously the people who get it first and yeah. foremost. They've 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 walked this journey with us, but sure. because we have now a, a a whole supplemental set of skills that we're going to bring on board, we will be able to do essentially a comprehensive advertising marketing solution for any business, small businesses in particular. Um, to help them figure out social media, to help them figure out websites, to help them figure out how to put together a good content plan. Yeah. So that's how I'm going to get to the main uptake from this in a sec, but the lead up to it is, is again, is the misunderstanding around different media platforms, all of those things you just spoke about and what they can do and they can't do and, and their, their pros and their cons. And they all have those. You know, you take, for example, television, incredibly engaging platform. We all choose to watch television. Right. And if you see brilliant content on there, you enjoy it. And equally ads that are produced as content. You know, there have been some incredible ads over the years. Very engaging. But it's incredibly expensive. Mm. Radio is incredible reach. You can reach millions of people, as you know. But the engagement's very low. It's become background noise on the school run, you know. The world that we're in with podcasting, what a wonderfully engaged audience. Everyone is listening 
and, and therefore they're going to take on the message really, really well. But it's still niche and it's still growing. You know, if you use Google search, people have intent. They're searching for that thing you're going to show them. So they have great intent. But there's no visuals on Google search. So it's hard to inspire people. If you use paid social media and talking about organic social media is not another thing, but paid social media, um, it's, it's really targeted, which is great. But again, it's a little square on your cell phone. It's very hard to, 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 to inspire people. And then there's even like email marketing, which is it's free to do, which is super. But the spam folders are getting smarter and smarter, and it's harder and harder to get through those. Absolutely. So the key outtake here is they all have a role to play. They all have a value. And the, 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 the secret to, to growing that brand is to communicate one message, one single-minded proposition across multiple platforms at the same time for a sustained period of time. And if you can find, not just us, if you can find experts to help you put together that integrated campaign and have the patience and the confidence to let it run for a little while, I can almost guarantee you will see your business grow. But clearly, to use each of those platforms, you, you need experts to help you do that. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of the main outtake is to help people find a single-minded proposition, communicate it beautifully and brilliantly across multiple platforms, and to help them plan to be able to do it over a sustained period of time. Well, it sounds it sounds really good. Um, what are the what are the main ways we we can then start implementing this for people? And do you need lots of money? <clears throat> Well, you need some money. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's another mistake that a lot of businesses make is they get all excited about their idea and they put 100% of their, their cash, their savings into the starting up, but whether it's buying product, uh, manufacturing product, um, you know, buying a van and putting the name on it, or my favorite is spending money and time producing business cards, the most pointless thing in the world. But <laughs> people love spending money on, on these sort of setup thing. Uh-huh. And they leave themselves nothing to promote the business. And they do that because they assume that hype will grow the business when here's the reality, unless you're selling the new iPhone or the Kanye sneakers, probably no one really cares. So have the view that no one will care about your business. And if they do, then it's an upside. Word of mouth, you know, I, I don't know, when did you last recommend a brand new business to a friend of yours? It, it does happen but not often. Yeah. Mm. And then even if you do, what are the chances your friend then goes and acts on that and buys something? Pretty slim. So word of mouth is a thing. It, it, it can help, but it's a very slow burn. Um, and then, as I said, you know, one of my favorite topics, social media, organic content you hear. Before 2012, um, content produced by business profiles on social media would reach about 25% of the audience that they had built. Okay? Yeah. And Businesses build themselves on that for free. I mean, I don't think Facebook gets enough credit as a, you know, as an incubator for all of these businesses. They produce this free platform that you can put content out. People saw it and they bought your product. No marketing costs. Fantastic. Back in 2012. Do you want to have a guess what that percentage is now? Uh, You have to pay for it now. So it's tiny. Well, absolutely. So about 0.5% of the posts your free posts that you put out actually reach your existing audience and no new audience and that's just because there is an overload of content on social media now um and and there's less active users and as you said 
they're prioritizing paid content. So you have to do paid content. So the long and the short of this is people go into these businesses, they have no money in the bank for promotion, and they expect all of these free things to be given a free lunch. And it just isn't there anymore. You can't do it that way. So you've got to have reserved some. And kind of the key number, the key number that I say to, to businesses, large, small, that, that, that come to me, is tell me what your, your aim is for turnover in a month. You have to spend 10% of that to achieve it. Now, over time, right. hopefully that will come down and everything. But ultimately, if you want to be doing a million rand a month, you know, you've got to spend 100,000 rand in your, in, in your marketing. You, you've got to do it. Um, little anecdote, there was a, a furniture brand that opened in Cape Town last year. Beautiful. They spent 20 million rand on their store. And, and buying the product. So not a small, not a small operation. Sure. And really beautiful product, had some great guys uh, running it. And they, they opened the doors and it was all very quiet. And because no one knew the brand or anything about it. And, and, and they called me and they said, listen, we want to be doing 5 million rand a month turnover off the bat. Sure. I thought, whoa, you know, okay, we can probably get there. But then you need to be spending 500,000 rand a month on your marketing, you know. That's your media spend and producing the content and all of this. And, of course, they just balked at that, and I think they scraped together 50 grand, and sure enough, they did about half a million a month sales. So the key number is every business has got an idea in its head as to what it wants to do for turnover per month. You need to spend 10% of that to really to achieve that number. Hmm. Now, let's just talk about a couple of the opportunities. Um, export business. Mm. Look, first, I have to say – I'm, I'm, um, I'm cautious of anyone that thinks that there have been opportunities created by this, by this cluster mess um, that is COVID nineteen and the government reaction to it and 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 the fallout of that. But yeah, me too. We have to look for opportunities because a lot of people are in a situation where they need to find some sort of positive or opportunity from this, particularly yeah. if they have jobs and stuff. So you're exactly right. Exporting clearly has you have to invest some time thinking about that because the exchange rate is massively in your favour. Wouldn't we all love to be earning you know US dollars or British pounds? Sure. Um, SA actually has a, a a very low cost, high quality manufacturing sector, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you want to tap into that, particularly in textiles and that sort of stuff. So it's a great sector there, which you can export high quality items. You know, much better than China and everything. You know, we need to become the new China in terms of exporting because our, our, the, the quality of our products is so much better than them. Um, and then also, you know, if you can set up a small export business, I think it's going to be a tough decade ahead for South Africa internally, um, running business internally. Yes. Um, so it, it kind of moves there. I think the U.S. and the U.K. are going to bounce back quite quickly. Whereas for us, it's going to be a much longer burn to try and get back to where we were. So that's the, the opportunity with export. Um, a couple of others. Should I do a couple of others? Go on. Okay. Um, the work from home idea is an interesting one because it's created needs on two sides. It's created needs for employers who are trying to transition to a work from home workforce. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, maybe not all the work, all the staff, but certainly a good portion of them. They're trying to transition, which creates a number of challenges for employers. And I don't necessarily know what they are, but 
everyone can sit down and have a thought as to what they are and how they can solve that problem for the employer, but also for the employee. Yeah. You know, there must be ways to help employees work more effectively at home, especially juggling kids and pets and all sorts. I mean, the funny one, but I, I, I've spent a lot of this time working from my dining room table because it looks out over my garden and it's, you know, very cathartic. But my dining room chair is not built for sitting on for eight hours a day, I've oh, discovered. Hell no. You, know, you end up no. with back problems. Exactly. And I certainly don't want to put office chairs around my dining room table. So I don't know, maybe someone can, can invent a really smart, ergonomic dining room chair um, that, that is going to work. But that's it. So I think the work from home has some opportunities on both sides. And then finally, Gareth, you know, something that might surprise a few people, but there's massive opportunity in retail space at the moment. So, you know, malls are not going anywhere. How we, how we navigate through malls and what we use them for may change, but they're not going anywhere anytime no. soon. Now, there's a lot of distressed inventory. I think retail will come back, but it will come back much smaller than it is now. Even those big superstores will shrink in size. There's going to be a lot of distress, distressed inventory out there that you can get quite cheap. Malls, great about malls is... That is your marketing because you have 10,000 people walking past your store every week, you know? Correct. So that kind of does marketing for you because you've got the other brands and the, and the mall themselves that brought those people in. So there's an interesting opportunity there for some e-commerce business, established e-commerce business, to maybe venture into that mall space. And I say that because, okay, before COVID, but Amazon did a brilliant job opening those stores um, in the US. And, you know, even locally, like Yuppie Chef, great little brand started off. They now have stores in malls as well as online. Right. And the future is absolutely omni-channel. People will still want to touch and feel. You know, there's still taste and smell that you can't achieve online. So the absolute, the future is definitely omni-channel, not just e-commerce. You need to be have a presence in both. So I think there's an opportunity there for, you know, to look at that retail space and, and, and reimagine how it's going to be used. And, and there's an opportunity there for businesses. Love it. Okay, so so far we've got uh, we've got plenty to to get excited about, and I think yeah. if if you are interested, you can get hold of us. Just um, email Tim at cliffcentral.com or you can email me Gareth at cliffcentral.com and we will we'll start putting our heads together to try and help you figure out the way forward in marketing. It sounds damn fine. Thank you, Tim. Cliffcentral.com.